who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I'll use my background in journalism to dive into topics that matter to women today, from divorce to call-out culture to masculinity to girls' confidence. Season two of Thread the Needle finds the meeting place between feminist ideals and the realities of women's lives. Listen to Thread the Needle wherever you get your podcasts. Mystery Theater presents... This is Christopher Lee, the host of Mystery Theater. I'm pleased to bring you another example from radio's outstanding theater of thrills. For two decades, suspense featured many of Hollywood's best, including Henry Fonda, Frederick March, Betty Davis, and Richard Widmark, in productions designed to showcase their trademark talents. This time, it's a tour de force by the remarkable Peter Lorre, who delivers an unexpected and extraordinary performance. After that, we visit Murder by Experts for a story selected by the Masters of Mystery. But first, let's join Nick Carter, Master Detective, as he gathers the clues that lead to a particularly nasty killer following these words. Welcome back to Mystery Theatre. I'm your host, Christopher Lee. Time now for radio's outstanding theatre of thrills, Suspense, starring Peter Lorre in Of Maestro and Men. Roma Wines present... Suspense! Tonight from Hollywood, Roma Wines bring you a stars and old friend of these proceedings, Mr. Peter Lorre, and a newcomer, Mr. Richard Conti. For their appearance tonight, Joe Eisinger has written an original suspense play with sporting blood in its veins and in which death has a ringside seat. Its title, with apologies to Mr. Steinbeck, is... Of Maestro and Man. And 
so with the performance of Peter Laurie as the maestro and of Richard Conti as the man, we again hope to keep you in suspense. From Decatur. Get aboard, boys. Speculate so you can accumulate. Put down a handful, pick up a hatful. And he throws a five. The money is eight. Make the point and break the joint. Seven to one the hard way. The man wants two fours. He'll make it the hard way. He's got a hunch. He bets a bunch. Get aboard, boys. And the dice read. Days in the week. Seven and the man's down. Pass the dice and make some ice. Everybody plays and everybody wins. Lay it on the line, we pay it on the line. Three to two, a six or an eight, even money, ten or four, I lay it and take it. Right or wrong, I go along. A tough one to lose, Maestro. Oh, Mr. Kripp. Did I frighten you? Oh, no, no, no. It, it's just that I didn't... Maybe your nerves need looking over, Maestro. I think I'd have jitters, too, if I dropped a bundle like you did tonight. What time is it? Three in the a.m., Maestro. Too late to play again. Oh, please, another hour, huh? I don't mean the time. I mean, I think I got enough of your paper for one night. My stick man just handed me these tabs, 15G. <laughs> you know that my IOUs are good, Mr. Crip. You know that. Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. You ever see my private office, Maestro? Hmm? Right this way. Sit down, Maestro. Well, it's growing late, and I... It'll only take a minute. How's Ricky? Hmm? Oh, Ricky. <laughs> He's in the mountains. He has a vacation, a, a little rest. You know, it's a great little welter, that Ricky Martin. Punch like a heavy feet like a flyweight. Yeah, fine boy to have in your stable. I don't have what you call a stable, Mr. Cripp. <laughs> Ricky Martin is all I've got. Yeah. All my life I dreamed of having a boy like Ricky Martin. Not for the money, not for what he'd bring just to own him. Like a fast horse carrying your colors. He leaves them all behind. <laughs> you know, I'd be willing to trade you any three of my boys for Ricky Martin. Well, <laughs> that's very generous of you, Mr. Cripp, but I, I, I don't no, think I... I don't think you would. Well, you're a lucky man, Maestro, finding a boy like that. Yes, I am. I sometimes wonder how you did it. You haven't been in the fight game long in this town. I remember the first time I see you and your boy hanging around the garden. Yes, that's but... right. The, the fighting profession is still a little... A little strange to me. You see, all my life I've been a, well, an impresario, you might say. In Paris, in Brussels, Vienna, ballet, opera, plays. <laughs> and when I came to this country and found Ricky, I, well, I could see that he was a... Yeah, you could see, all right. Cigar? Thank you. There you are. I always say there's nothing like a good cigar to promote good feeling in a business talk. Business talk? What do you mean? A little matter of 32G. Oh. 17 you dropped last week and 15 tonight. <laughs> yes, my, my luck has been a little bit... Early. You know, that's a very impressive signature you got, Maestro. Like a professor or something. All <laughs> those curls and loops, very impressive. Looks like a million bucks on these tabs. I'm sure it's good for 32G. <laughs> of course it... Yeah. Of course. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that. Well, if, if that's all, Mr. Cripp, I... That's all, Maestro. Well, then, uh, good night, Mr. Cripp. Just a minute, my friend. You're leaving something behind. What? Your IOUs. Uh, I don't understand. I figure I got enough of your paper. Hmm? I want my money now. 
I can't. I, I, then I haven't... get it. I must have time. I run a cash business. But you gave me credit. You got assets. What? Ricky Martin. No. Then pay. No. I won't let you steal him from me. He's mine. Do you hear me? He's mine. I found him. I built him. And you can't steal him from me. I want that boy. No. I love him like a brother. Not you'll swindle him on every fight. I won't give him up. Then you'll pay my collectors 32G. <laughs> but it's a gambling debt you can't collect. My collectors don't carry a summons. A barrel and 50 pounds of cement. All right, Mr. Crick. Believe me, no arguments. And you've added greatly to my education. <laughs> I don't think there's much I can teach you, Maestro. Only this time I'm out in front. I'll show you I'm a generous man. Honest John Cripp. Hmm. Run an honest game and I'll make a square deal. 50G for the boy. 32 in tabs, 18 in cash. No beefs later. Thank you. Hmm. I was sure you'd be sensible about this, Maestro. I had the contract drawn up. Just put that impressive signature on the dotted line. May I use your pen? Sure. Thank you. There you are, Mr. Cripp. Uh, Ricky Martin now belongs to me. Mm-hmm. Your pen writes very easily. You can keep it part of the deal. Thank you. I shall treasure it as the most expensive pen in the world. How soon will Ricky be back in town? Oh, I expect him in my office tomorrow. Good. You'll tell him he now belongs to honest John Cripp. Yes, I'll tell him. You know, Mr. Cripp, I, I don't think Ricky Martin is going to like being owned by you. <laughs> you just leave that worry to me, Maestro. I have a way of making people like me. <laughs> Even if it kills them. Ricky hasn't come yet? Huh? Oh, oh no, boss. Uh, I've been sitting here in your office like you told me, but he ain't come and he ain't called. I don't understand it. I can't. His train arrived two hours ago. And... Hello. Hello, Maestro. Sam. Ricky. <laughs> Where have you? Oh. Maestro, this is Lynn Carter. How do you do? How do you do, Miss Carter? And this is Sam Lynn. He was my trainer. Hello. Ricky has told me so much about you during the past two weeks that I feel like... <laughs> yeah, you know how it is, Maestro. Out on the lake at night, the guy gets to rambling and... I found it all very colorful. Ricky, uh, there's something I must tell you, if, if Miss Carter will excuse us for it. But there's something I must tell you, Maestro. Hmm? It, it's about Lynn and me. Uh, you see, we... What is it, Ricky? Well, Lynn and me, we're, we're going to be married. Married? What? Yeah, we, we just, well... When I met Lynn, I... I don't know how to tell you this, Maestro... You know how I feel about you. Ricky. What? Ricky, what are you trying to say? It's, tell me. It's just that I... Ricky is trying to tell you, Maestro, that he's quitting the ring. Ricky's quitting the ring? Ricky quitting? I must, Maestro. I'm going away with Lynn to South America. Her father owns a... He wants us to live down there. I'm, I'm going to work for him. But, Ricky... <laughs> Ricky, you can't. Not now. I, I I'm just... I'm sorry, Maestro, but don't make it tougher for me. You know I always wanted to quit, always hated it. Now I have a good reason. We're taking a plane to Rio tonight. But you can't, Ricky. You, you can't run out on me like this. I don't figure I'm running out on anybody. But you don't know what's happened, Ricky. You, you can't quit. I, I sold you. What? To 
Crip. The Crip? To that? Why didn't you ask me first? I, I couldn't, Ricky. I, I had Buying to. and selling me so much beef on the hoof at so much a pound. But, but you know... Buy me and sell me until I can't take any more punishment and there's no buyer. Ricky. That's why I'm getting out. Lynn was right. Two, three years in the Crip stable, I'm a punching bag for the new boys. A gibbering idiot like poor Sam here. Who, who's your dog? I'm sorry, uh, Sam. I just... Don't call me. I'll kill you. you, you Shut you, up, Sam. So Lynn was right, huh? I knew it was her fault. I knew it the minute she walked in here, smelling of her perfume. All and... right. Yes, it's all your fault. Why didn't you leave him alone? Maestro. He's different from you. He's not your... Cut it. No, no. You like the way he looked in the sun, in trunks, huh? These muscles and that beautiful body. That's enough. You, you just had to have him. You had to bring him back to show Maestro. to your friends, huh? Great catch, you, you scheming, conniving, you... five cent... <laughs> ah! Ricky, no! <laughs> Sam, stop him. You'll kill him. Ricky! Ricky, you're, you're Ricky. Ricky! Ricky, he's choking. Oh. All right. I'm all right now. Oh, Ricky. Ricky. I should have killed him for that. Come on, let's get out of here. Boys, you all right, boys? Well, he'll like to kill you, then. Your face is a funny color. Come, Sam. Help me to the car, Jim. Sure, boy. Sure. Hey. Are you all right now, boys? Yes, sir. I'm all right now, Sam. You're a good boy, Sam. <laughs> sure. So Sam's a good boy. Sam, Sam's no rat, but Ricky's a rat. Huh, huh boss? Ricky's a rat. Sam, we... We must do something. Sam. Oh, sure, boss. That Ricky is a rat. He, he called me an a idiot. I'll, I'll kill him, boss. Sam's a good boy. Yeah. He, he don't like for, for Ricky to do the boss no hate. I'll, no. I'll kill him. No, I'll, no, I'll, no, I'll, no, 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 uh, Sam. Shh, please, you must not get excited, Sam. Huh? We must think. Uh, sure, boys. Let, let's think. Your lip is, is, is all a bleed, boys. Yes, you're a good boy. He called you an idiot, yes, but you're a good boy, uh, Sam. I like when you pat me on the head like that, boys. We have a problem, Sam. Uh, Mr. Cripp must not hear about Ricky quitting. Ricky quitting, boys? Something happened to Ricky. An accident. They happen every day, Sam. Oh, sure. Accidents happen. Well, when I was I a little boy, a trip and say, it's a tragic thing, Mr. Cripp. Fine boy like that. You a boy, Mr. Cripp. You a fifty thousand dollar boy, Mr. Cripp. It's a tragic thing, huh? Yes. Tragic finale to a promising career. Oh, yeah, boys. That would be some tragic, some. Some finale, It must huh? be an accident, huh? Sam. Mr. Crick must never be able to say. Do you understand that, Sam? Oh, sure, but when I was a little Sam, boy, I... Sam? Yeah, boys? Sam, in Langton's gym. You know where the main steam valve for the steam room is? What, boys? The valve, Sam. The one that lets the live steam into the steam room. The, the, oh, oh, sure, but the, the, the gadget that the guy turns off and on the steam, way, huh? That's right, Oh, Sam. sure, boys. Uh... 
It's under the stairs in the basement mm. on the other side of the gym. You, you know, on the side where, where yes, the pipe Sam, is. Yes, Sam, yes. Do you think you could get under the stairs into the basement? Oh, sure. Nobody cares if I go to the basement. Sometimes I go, go there. Yes, Sam. And do you think you could open the valve as wide as it'll go? Open the... Oh, boy, that's some hot, all that steam, boys. <laughs> yes, hey, hey, you can't stay in there and all that hot. <laughs> Did you was up the gym when, when poor Sharky got all the hot because the, the valve broke and the door was stuck? Did you was there when they brung him up? Yes, Sam, a very tragic accident. Some tragic, all right. Come here, take my watch. Can you read the time? Well, sure. What do you think? I'm a dumb... Oh. The, the little hand is on a two, uh -huh. and the big hand is on a, a six. That's right. And that means uh, uh, half past two, no? That's half right, past... Sam. Yeah. Now, look. When a little hand will be on a five, you see it? And a big hand on a twelve, here. Yeah. It'll be... At f five o'clock. That's I... right. Yeah, you see, I'm no dumb. Five o'clock. And at five o'clock, Sam, you must be in the basement at Langton's gym at a steam valve. And exactly five o'clock, Sam, you'll open the valve. All the way. Uh, for all the hot? Yes, Sam. All the hot. Oh, but you can't stay in... Uh, did you was up the gym when shot? I won't be in the steam room, Sam. But Ricky will. Alone. Shoreham Hotel. Ricky, Martin's apartment, please. One moment. Ricky? Hello, Ricky. This what do you is... want? <laughs> Ricky, uh, please, I, I, I don't know how to begin, but you've, you've got... I, I've got to see you. There is so much I want to say to I'm you. I'm sorry, Maestro. Look, I... Ricky, please, just for a few minutes, please, Ricky. Look, look meet me at Langton's gymnasium, huh? Uh, look, you have, all, you have all your old boxing things well, there I, in well, the I... locker room. I, I want you to give them to me. I, I want to keep them, Ricky, as a, as a souvenir. Well, okay, Maestro, just for a few minutes, though. I have to meet Lynn at the airport at six. Oh, thank you, Ricky. Forget it. Meet you at Langton's in a half an hour. Fine. Goodbye, Ricky. You'll come. Ricky? Uh, and you'll get him in the steam room? Yes, Sam. Uh. Yes. I'll get him into the steam room. And I'll sit there with him and talk to him. And talk to him about this and about that. With a steam thick around us, hiding us from each other. When I begin to feel the live heat, Sam, at five o'clock, Sam, at five o'clock, I'll be talking about old times as I quietly slip out of the room and he'll be sitting there alone, thinking of old times, not knowing I'm gone and that he's alone until it is too late. He will hear the sudden rush of steam and feel the scalding heat. And he'll run to the door, but it will not open. And he'll pound and scream in agony, but the door will stick. And each scream will draw burning steam into his lungs. And then they'll find him. But it'll be too late. Too late. It will be too late. <laughs>
Oh, hello, Ricky. Hello. <laughs> I'm so glad you came. See, I was just going to take my steam bath. I had to wait until Lynn called me. I oh, yeah. told her to meet us at the airport at oh, 6. Oh, good, good, good. Come, Ricky, let's go to the locker room, huh? Uh, <laughs> look, here is your old locker, Ricky. You have the key? Yes. Here, you open it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but first, Ricky, please, I, I want to tell you how I feel, how I've been so miserable because... You should have killed me, Ricky. Maestro. Yes, Ricky, you... I, I, I deserved it, but... You see, I wasn't myself. You know that. Let's forget it, Maestro. Go ahead, open the locker. All right, thank you. See? Look. <laughs> your punching bag. Look, your trunks. Your gloves. And here, look here, Ricky, this pair. This pair you wore the night you beat Kit Foy. Wasn't that a fight, Ricky? How can we ever forget the third round? Remember what the newspaper said? Every word is burned into my memory. Last night, a new star of the ring was born. Ricky Martin. Sensational new welcome. Cut it, Maestro. Yes, sir. I'm sorry, Ricky. I, I know how you feel. Ricky. Ricky, are you sure? Isn't there one chance that you'll change your mind? No, Maestro. Not a prayer. What time is it? Oh, it's only about quarter to five. Come on, Ricky, don't you? Don't you want to have your last team with the old maestro? Well, I... Don't come. Well, okay, but remember, old maestro, five o'clock's my deadline. <laughs> oh, well, Ricky, that I guarantee you. Say, who's around at this time of the day? Huh? Oh, yo. Sam, I, I wanted to tell you how sorry I am. Oh, about... sure, so I'm sorry, all right. Call me a... Put on the boss a slug. Come on, get going. Oh, boy. Sure gonna be some hot, sorry, all right. Sam, stop mumbling. Get going. Some hot, tragic finale, all right. Get going. Oh, that poor guy. See, Maestro, that's why I'm getting out now. I don't want to look like that in five years. Here's your towel, Ricky. Are you ready? Yeah. I'm ready. How much time we got? Well, it's just a couple of minutes before five. It's time for a quick steam and a shower, and, and then we meet Lynn. Huh? Okay. Uh, good old steam room. They really got that steam up today. Yeah. It's so thick you can't see your hand in front of you. Yeah, but it's good for you. <laughs> Come on here, feel your way over here, Ricky. Come sit here with me on a second chair. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's right. Just keep your head down and your eyes closed and relax like me. Yes, Hey, this feels fine. Yes. We'll begin to feel even better later. Tell me, Ricky, tell me how you met Lynn. Well, she was staying at the same hotel with her mother and father. He came up on business. A right guy, Maestro. You'd like him. Yes, I, I'm sure I would. Mm, one night I just found myself dancing with her. I don't know yet how it happened. But there we were. And after that, well, it seemed like there was nobody else in the world but we two. I don't know, Maestro, but, but suddenly I realized that what I wanted most in the world was right there. Something I, I can't remember having. Something I wanted all the time and with all my heart. I'm tired of hotel rooms and training camps and fight talk. I love Lynn. I love her family. They love me. That's all there is, Maestro. I guess that's the crop for any man. Hey, it's it's getting kind of hot, Maestro. 
Remember, Ricky? <laughs> Remember the day we first met? Maestro, uh, steam is getting a little too much. Remember, it was uh, it was backstage at the Met. <laughs> he wanted to be a ballet dancer. <laughs> I must laugh when I think of those days. You had muscle and you had grace and you had power, but <laughs> you didn't know what to do with them. And I, I showed you. Not ballot. Years of sacrifice. <coughs> For what? I found you and I... I found the ring and I... I brought the two of you together. And one year, you were near the top. Yes, it was a long year, Ricky, but... But we went through it together. <coughs> yes, I... I can't help feeling that your leaving is... is almost a tragic finale to a... a brilliant ring career. Uh, what? Yes, a tragic finale. And then... <coughs> we got your first fight in New York. <coughs> How nervous you were. Your New York debut. <laughs> Not that to met to the music of... of Offenbach, Skate, Parisienne, no. <laughs> but at the Madison Square Garden. To the roar of 15,000 throats. Do you remember the, the last thing you said to me before you went into the ring? <laughs> remember? Hey, Ricky. Ricky, where are you? Ricky, where, where are you, Ricky? <coughs> Ricky! 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 Don't leave me here, Ricky! Ricky, come back! Please come back, Ricky! Open the door! Ricky! Don't leave me! Ricky! 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 The maestro, I left him in the steam room at the gym. Slipped out on him. I, I couldn't take it. Poor guy's all broken up. He feels like it's, well, what, what he'd call a tragic finale. Mr. He'll and get Mrs. Over Ricky it. Martin, board flight 17, please. Come on, darling, let's go. Closes of Maestro and Man, starring Peter Lorre with Richard Conte. Night's tale of suspense.
suspense is produced and directed by William Spear. Richard Conti appeared through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox, producers of the Technicolor production, Wilson. Suspense! That's Peter Lorre in Of Maestro and Men on Suspense from July the 20th, 1944. Next, it's a case for that most famous of all manhunters, Nick Carter, Master Detective, after these words. During Women's History Month, come explore what feminism means to you with nonfiction storytelling podcast Thread the Needle. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I'll use my background in journalism to dive into topics that matter to women today. Listen to Thread the Needle wherever you get your podcasts. This is Christopher Lee welcoming you back to Mystery Theater. Nick Carter was a private eye who was a master of deductive reasoning. Like Sherlock Holmes and Ellery Queen, he preferred to use his wits rather than a gun to bring in the bad guys. Time now for Nick Carter, Master Detective in Murder in the Crypt. Calling Nick Carter. Another case for Nick Carter, Master Detective. Yes, it's another case for that most famous of all manhunters, the detective whose ability at solving crime is unequaled in the history of detective fiction. Nick Carter, Master Detective. <laughs> This week's curious adventure is... Murder in the Crypt. There. You'll never know that I came here this time any more than you did the other time that I was here. <laughs> Those footsteps... Coming this way. It, it's Anubis. Anubis. Oh, it can't be. I am Anubis, guardian of the dead. No, no. I must be dreaming. I am Anubis, the jackal god. But you're not. No. No, no. Three scarabs from Abydos. Condition good. Come in. Are you Dr. Waldemar? I am. I'm Lieutenant Riley from headquarters. You called me about a museum guard who disappeared? Of course, of course. It's about Shelby, the chief attendant here at the Egyptian Museum. Where and when did this Shelby disappear, Doctor? He failed to report to me as usual before leaving last night. And the guards on the door say he did not leave the building. Mm. We've hunted everywhere for him, but we haven't found him. Oh, you've hunted everywhere, have you? Yes, Lieutenant. Everywhere except in the crypt of Snefru. The, the, the what of who? The crypt of Snefru, an Egyptian king of the fourth dynasty. Mm. Where is this crypt? In the basement? No, it's on the second floor, directly above this office. Mm. It was installed especially for Professor Glidden, the archaeologist. He alone has access to the crypt. It has a special lock on the door. Oh, you mean he has the only key, huh? Precisely. I called Professor Glidden's apartment a while ago, but he did not answer. I presume he is on his way down here now. I hope he can shed some light on this mystery. Hmm. 
Nick, isn't this the Egyptian museum across the road? Yes, Patsy, it is. Never been in it? Mm-mm. Looks too much like a mausoleum for me. <laughs> Are we going in to look at the mummy? That, Patsy, depends entirely upon Professor Glidden. Who's he? That bearded man who's beckoning to us in the doorway of the museum. Oh, I see him. Is he a client of yours? Yes. He phoned just before you arrived at the office this morning. What does he want? That, I don't know, Patsy. Suppose we join him and find out. And you say, Professor, that the Archaeological Society gave Dr. Waldemar the money to complete the museum. Yes, Mr. Carter. Mm-hmm. Provided that he would install a special crypt where uh, I could place the relics from the tomb of King Snefru for examination and classification. So the crypt is officially your property? For the present, yes. When my work is finished, it will be open to the public. I see. And uh, just where do I come in? I want you, Mr. Carter, to be present when we search the crypt. So there will be no question that Shelby is not there. This is Dr. Waldemar's office? It is. Oh, good morning, Gooden. Uh, this is Lieutenant Riley from headquarters. Hello there, Lieutenant <laughs> Riley. <laughs> Hell, Hello, Nicholas Lieutenant. Carter and Patsy, too. We haven't seen each other for a long while. Uh, now, don't tell me that you're looking for this man Shelby, too, Nick. I am, Riley. At the request of Professor Glidden. Oh. So since Dr. Waldemar has asked you to perform the same service, Riley, why don't we work together? We're glad to, Nick. Fine. Oh, you wouldn't object if Lieutenant Riley helped search the crypt, would you, Professor? Not at all. Well, Riley, shall we adjourn to the crypt? Right, Nick. The crypt is on the second floor, right over this office. Come, come, Glidden. Unlock the door. This is an intricate lock, Waldemar. It takes careful handling of the key. There. Uh, where's the light switch, Professor Glidden? Uh, just inside the door, to the right. Very well, I'll... <laughs> well, would you look at that now? <laughs> I never saw a statue to resemble that beast. The body of a man and the head of a dog it has. I'd call it the head of a jackal, Riley. Yeah. Am I right, Professor Glidden? You are, Mr. Carter. That bronze statue is the life-size figure of Anubis, the jackal god. Anubis was the guardian of the dead. And his statue was set at the entrance of ancient tombs to keep out thieves. A jackal face is enough to scare anyone away. Come along, Riley. Let's look around inside the crypt. Okay. Well, here's a mummy case, which I suppose contains old King Snefru in person. Quite right, Mr. Carter. Yeah, now here's the old boy's throne. It looks like the original Morris chair. Let's see. There's nobody hiding under it, Riley. Okay, Nick. See, now look over there. In the alcove over behind the statue. What is it? An ancient Egyptian bathtub? That, Riley, is a sarcophagus. Uh, A stone coffin. The one that once contained the mummy case we just saw. Gosh, now, it's a big thing now, ain't it? What's all this crazy writing on the front of it? Those are hieroglyphics, Riley. Inscriptions about old King Snafu. Oh, What's inside this thing, Nick? Oh, probably nothing now, Riley. Just the big open. Now, what is it, Nick? This sarcophagus is not empty, Riley. Huh? Shelby's in it. Oh. And he's dead. Once again, Lieutenant Riley, I must reply that I know nothing of this matter. As I've told you, I scarcely knew Shelby. Now, look here, Riley. Your evidence against my client is purely circumstantial. Uh, Nick, it's a disgrace to the memory of old Sim Carter, the way his one and only son tries to misinterpret the bald facts. The bald facts in this case is this, Riley. You have no proof that Professor Glidden even came to this museum last night. Look, all I want is one more bit of circumstance, Nick. Dr. Waldemar, can you think of anything else that might be, well, interesting in this case? Now, let me see. Look, Nick. 
A strange woman coming down the corridor toward us. Ah, she looks like something revived from ancient Egypt. She walks like a cat. You can't hear the slightest footsteps. Quiet, Patsy. She's stopping close enough to overhear us. Uh, Lieutenant Riley, huh? I have it. Ask the professor just how he knew that Shelby was missing when he telephoned Carter this morning. I yeah. shall answer that question, Dr. Waldemar. Who, say, where did you come from? Who is this lady, Dr. Waldemar? Allow me to introduce Madame Dacklar, our librarian. Oh, you have a library in this museum? Oh, yes. The library is in the other wing near the elevator. I was the person who informed Professor Glidden that Shelby was missing. I telephoned him this morning. After the search began. And Professor Glidden telephoned me, Riley, asking me to come here to protect his interests, which I have so far tried to do. Mm. Madame Dacklar comes from Cairo. She's an Egyptian, well-versed in ancient lore and legend. Madame Dacklar, do you really believe those old Egyptian legends? I must believe them. With my own eyes, I have seen the living Anubis walk through the corridors of this museum. But that statue couldn't possibly get out of a locked crypt. To Anubis, anything is possible. It is his duty to guard the treasure in the crypt. What treasure, Madame Dacla? The treasure that is found in the tomb of every Egyptian king. Anubis, the avenging jackal god, knew that the museum god Shelby sought the treasure. So Anubis sought Shelby and killed him and put his body in the crypt as a warning. Anubis is all-powerful. You mean you've actually seen this, uh, this jackal god walking around this museum recently? Anubis, the guardian of the dead, leaves the crypt of King Snefru and prowls these corridors every night. I have seen him do it. Gosh. That will be all, Madame Dacklar. Thank you very much for coming. Uh, Nick, suppose we go through that crypt again and see what we can learn. An excellent suggestion, Riley. Patsy. Suppose you go around and wait in the library with Madame Delka. We'll join you there later. Ah, Nick. This crypt is as solid as a rock. We've tested every inch of floor and walls and ceiling here. Yes, Riley. Every spot we've tapped seems to be solid stone or concrete. Uh, Nick, suppose we check those measurements again, eh? Oh, no use in that, Riley. The room's 30 by 30, with four feet out for the door on one side... And eight feet out for the alcove and the other. Mm. Uh, how big did you say that sarcophagus was, Nick? It's eight feet long and six feet wide. Practically the same size as the alcove it's standing in. Mm. And it's four feet, six inches high. Why? Well, I was just thinking, Nick. That's an awful big chunk of rock there. Well, Professor Glidden says this one weighs over 1,100 pounds. Uh, it's over half a ton. This goes to show that the floor in this crypt must be solid to support such a weight day in and day out. There's an answer to this case somewhere, Riley. Yeah. Even if I don't know yet where it is. Come on. Let's get back to the office. Yeah. If I'd followed my better judgment, I'd have locked Professor Glidden in a jail cell first. It wouldn't be wise just yet, Riley. Uh, you're wrong there, Nick. And I'll tell you why. This door here is the only way in and out of that crypt. And this key... The only key there is now belonged to Professor Glidden. Riley, I want to learn the motive behind Shelby's murder. There were some strange things going on around this museum. Three ancient anklets, one job. Come in, come in. 
Oh, it's you, Mr. Carter. Miss Bowen. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, are you convinced that only Glidden could have entered that crypt upstairs? I never like to accept the obvious, Dr. Wallabar. Oh, there goes the closing bell. I must put these Egyptian relics back in the vault. Oh, we're out of here. A large vault, that is, Dr. Waldemar. Yes. The museum requires a large vault. I had this one built here in the wall, especially. Was it included in the original plans for the museum? Well, no, not exactly. This wing of the building was still unfinished when the architect died. In completing it, we made some minor changes. I see. Doctor, do you think Madame Dacla... You must excuse me for a few minutes, Carter. I must speak to the attendants before they leave. It was one of poor Shelby's duties. It will only take a few minutes. By the way, Patsy, hmm? there's something on Waldemar's desk that should interest you. You mean that odd-looking jar? Mm-hmm. It contains some ancient Egyptian perfume, he said. Hmm. It smells like roses. Very strong. You better put it in the vault, Patsy. Waldemar must have overlooked it. Can you smell it, Nick? It's powerful stuff. Yes, I can smell it all right. Put it in one of the shelves in the vault. What's the matter, Patsy? I just tripped on a small step at the front of the vault. You didn't spill any of that priceless perfume, did you? Oh, I'm afraid... Oh, yes, I did spill a few drops of it, Nick. Well, don't tell Waldemar. Oh, I hear him coming. Come out of the vault and look innocent. Okay. Well, Carter, another day is done. Oh, if you please stand away from the vault, Miss Bowen. I should like to close the door. Thank you. By the way, Doctor... Was there any treasure buried with King Sneferu? Probably. It was the custom. But it is also probable that such treasure was stolen centuries ago. Well, isn't Glidden interested in the matter of treasure? Possibly. But he's more interested in translating the hieroglyphics on the sarcophagus. Hmm. Well, Patsy, I must be going. You must be going? You mean you're going to leave me here in the museum? Only for a little while. I want you to go back to the library and have a talk with Madame Dacla, Patsy. Talk about what? I'll tell you that while we're walking to the other wing. Good night, Dr. Wallemar. Good night, Mr. Carter. More from Nick Carter, Master Detective, after this. classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, Sam Spade, Burns and Allen, Have Gun, Will Travel, Gangbusters, and Sherlock Holmes, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Carl Amari and I co 
co-host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. Now back to Nick Carter, Master Detective. Mr. Carter isn't interested in ancient manuscripts, Madame Dacker. He wants to see the architect's plans for this museum. Oh, but he should ask Dr. Waldemar for those. I don't think Dr. Waldemar has them. Mr. Carter wants the original plans. I shall be glad to see if I can find them for you. I shall try the file cabinet by the door. Well, they're not under A for architect. And they are not under B for building plans, either. I shall try under M. Uh, museum plans. What's that clumping sound out in the corridor? Yes, yes, here they are. In this folder. Plans for Egyptian museum to be erected Look, in... Look! Coming through the door! Anubis. Welcome, Anubis. Anubis gives no greeting to those who defy him. I have never defied you, Anubis. You have sought the treasure that I guard. Never, never. I have always... <gasps> Let go of your hold, you are. Let me go. Away, away, you are. Mischief is going on here, Nick. O'Reilly, a dozen time. Huh? Patsy was just going to tell me. Who was it took Madame Dacla away, Patsy? It was somebody. Somebody who looked like Anubis, the jackal god. What? Really, Nick. Madame Dacla had the plans of the museum in her hand. And they're gone, too. Nick, this time we're going to look in that crypt upstairs first. Come on. All right, find that light switch now, Nick. Right, Riley. Yeah, there she is. Laying right at the feet of that that creature Anubis there. You mean the statue of Anubis, Riley? Well, it may be a statue now, Nick. But I am near to believing that the thing comes alive when it chooses. Madame Dacla alive? Oh, she... She, she's still breathing, Patsy. Oh, uh, what do you make of it, Nick? She's oh. been drugged, Riley. Quick, get her over to the door where the air is pressure. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Ah, she's coming around now. Where, where am I? You're all right, Madame Dacla. Oh, but I am, I am in the crypt now. And the last I knew, I, I was in the library. I knew it. I knew steel doors are no barrier to Anubis. Uh, help her outside, Patsy, so, so I can lock the door here. You lean on me, Madame Dacre. But I tell you, it is useless to lock that door. Anubis can pass through all barriers. Maybe so, but Professor Glidden can't. Come on, Madame Doctor, I'll take you back to the library. Then I'm going to put the professor in jail where I can keep my eye on him. From now on, there'll be no phone. Patsy. Hmm? When Riley opened the crypt just now and found Madame Dacla, did you notice the peculiar fragrance in the place? I must have been too excited to notice it, Nick. What was it like? It was the perfume of roses, Patsy. Musty, ancient roses. You should have recognized it. You mean... It was like the perfume from the bottle I spilled in Waldemar's office? Yes, Patsy. It smelled exactly the same. I admit nothing, Lieutenant Riley. 
I can't tell you how either Shelby or Madame Dacla got into the crypt. It's like I've been trying to tell you, Clinton. It's very simple. You had two keys, but you only gave me one. And as I've been telling you, Lieutenant Riley, there was no duplicate key. Stay out. I'm busy here. I said stay... Hello, Riley. Hello, Glidden. So it's you again, Mr. Nicholas Carter. Well, I don't care whether Professor Glidden is your client or not. We're not releasing him. I don't want him released, Riley. I just want to ask him a few questions. Tell me, Professor Glidden, when you sent those relics of King's nephew to the Egyptian Museum, did Dr. Waldemar have any chance to examine them? Why, no. They were all heavily boxed and crated. That is, everything except the sarcophagus. That was handled separately. Waldemar installed the sarcophagus in the crypt before I arrived. I see. I, I seem to recall that Shelby helped him set it up. The boxes and crates were all upstairs when I got back. But I opened them alone and set up everything myself, including the statue. That's all I wanted to know. I'm sorry, Professor, that you'll have to spend the night here. But I hope to arrange your release by morning. All right, Sergeant. Take the Professor to his cell. Yes, sir. Come along, Professor. Say, Riley. Mm-hmm. Will you do something for me? Why should I? Why shouldn't you? You'll learn something yourself, and that's always a help in a murder case. All right, Nick. When can I lose? Fine. Pick up Patsy. She has all my notes, and you may need them. And both of you go to the crypt. Where will you be, Nick? I have to attend to another matter first. Now listen carefully, Riley. Mm. Here's what I want you to do. When you get to the... How long have we been in this crypt, Lieutenant Riley? Oh, it's about 15 minutes, Patsy. If you didn't have a luminous dial on your watch, I'd say it was hours. Why did Nick say that we should stay here in the dark? You'll have to ask Nick that when he gets here, Patsy. Where did Nick say he was going? Well, no, it might be that he's calling on Madame Dacla. What? Oh, just a questioner, you understand. Oh, Riley, of all the ridiculous notions. <laughs> well, Dacla's boyfriend, Anubis, is right here beside us, Patsy. Do you see it? Yeah, this statue of Anubis must be solid bronze, Patsy. If nothing happens here, something will happen when I find Mr. Nick Carter. Only ten minutes more, Patsy. I'm getting so used to this darkness, I can see the sarcophagus plainly. Looks so big. Yeah, it is big. It's almost... What's that? I don't know. Sounds as if something was happening at last. Riley! Hey, what is it, Patsy? You're not getting hysterical now, are you? Riley, I smell something. The perfume of roses. And it's getting stronger. Well, now, what is the perfume of roses to do with all this here? Riley, look. Look at that sarcophagus. Patsy, what we're looking at can't be happening here. Oh, but it is. That sarcophagus is rising straight up in the air. And I've always said that, that, that Sian was believing. Look, I see what's doing it, Riley. You, you, you can't tell me that, that anything that will make a stone coffin weigh, weigh in half a ton go floating up in the air five feet off the floor, Patsy. It's on top of an elevator, Riley. Uh, an elevator? Sure, that's what's lifting it. Well, glory be. You're right, Patsy. That's what that rumbling sound was. The man coming out of the elevator with a flashlight. Wait till I draw my gun, Patsy. I'll fix it. You're too late, Riley. Uh, I have you covered. It's Dr. Waldemar. Why, Riley, that elevator is the vault from Waldemar's office. Quite right, Miss Bowen. I have you both covered. Don't try anything, either of you. Well, what would you be trying, Waldemar? There will be two new victims in this vault, Lieutenant Riley. Uh, Two fools who, like Shelby, found out too much. But I'm sorry it isn't three. Nick Carter would be a welcome addition. You really mean that, Waldemar? Nick, where are you? Carter, how did you get here? I've been waiting for you in King Snepru's sarcophagus. And now if you... I'll kill you first, Carter. I doubt that. 
Okay, Patsy. Look out, Patsy! He's knocking over that statue! It's falling over! <laughs> the professor will be along any minute now, Patsy. He called me at the hospital and asked, they asked me to meet him here outside the crypt in 15 minutes. Said he wanted to examine the elevator in the crypt. Was Waldemar dead, Nick? No, Patsy. I only wounded him. He knocked himself out when he staggered against the statue of Anubis. Waldemar made a complete confession when he recovered consciousness. He's admitted that he was hunting for the king's treasure and wanted to find it before Professor Glidden finished translating the hieroglyphics. And he was using the elevator to make secret trips between his office and this crypt. Exactly, Patsy. When Waldemar completed the new wing of the museum, he modified the original plans and put his office at the end of the first floor corridor. Then he built this crypt on the second floor right over his office. Evidently, the elevator was already installed, and Waldemar brought the sarcophagus up on top of it. And there was a sarcophagus standing in an alcove that was really the elevator shaft. Mm Mm-hmm. The elevator itself became the vault in Waldemar's office. He disguised it with shelves and loaded them with curios. But it was still an elevator. And you think Shelby found out about it? Shelby must have helped Waldemar arrange things, since it was more than a one-man job. Then later, Shelby decided to look for the treasure on his own. Apparently. Waldemar confessed that he murdered Shelby for those very reasons and left the body in the crypt to blame the crime on Professor Glidden. And Waldemar put Madame Dakla in the crypt so Glidden would be blamed again. Exactly. But he didn't have to kill Dakla. She knew nothing, you see. He merely grabbed Dakla in order to get the original plans of the museum. Here comes the professor now, Nick. Oh, hello, Professor. Right on time, I see. I'm oh, so glad to find you here, Carter. I, I wanted you to be here when I examined the crypt in the elevator. I want no more surprises. Well, I don't think anything else is going to happen up here, Professor, but I'll be glad of the chance to do a little extra looking around myself. There's that Anubis again. He's on his face this time. It was quite clever of Waldemar to disguise himself as Anubis. He really did resemble the statue. Look, Nick. Where, Patsy? There at the statue lying on the floor. Uh, Why, the head is completely turned around. Yes, the fall must have knocked it loose. Oh, give me a hand with it, Professor. We set it up again. Well, certainly, Carter. Uh, it's pretty heavy, but... Yes, it is. It... Oh, that... what? Gold! Oh, Nick, is it real? I imagine it is, Miss Bowen. Why, this must be the treasure of old King Snefferus. So that's where the royal treasure was hidden. Valdemar must have looked everywhere except in the head of this statue. So Anubis was really the keeper of the treasure. Well, congratulations, Professor. <laughs> And I hope this discovery makes up for all your troubles. It does indeed, Mr. Carter. I shall now be able to visit Egypt again. Well, Nick, there's just one problem that still bothers me. And I suppose, as usual, that the problem represents the crux of the whole case. It does. When I put that jar of perfume on the shelf, did you already know that the vault was an elevator? I did, Patsy. The elevator floor wasn't quite level. That's why you tripped as you went into the vault. But of course. But, Nick, what made you think it was an elevator in the first place? It's quite simple, Patsy. There had to be an elevator to take the sarcophagus up to the crypt on the second floor. But, Nick, there's an elevator in the other wing of the museum. They could have taken the sarcophagus up that way and wheeled it across to the crypt. Patsy, how large is the sarcophagus? Well, it's eight feet long and six feet wide and four and a half feet high, didn't you say? Mm Mm-hmm. And how wide is the door to the crypt? Four feet according to your measurements. Exactly. Now, Patsy, do you think you could put a sarcophagus four feet six inches high through a door only four feet wide? Of course not, Nick. Of course not, Patsy. Not even Dr. Waldemar could do it. Up through the alcove was the only way. Waldemar probably hoped that no one would think to compare the size of the door to the size of the sarcophagus. And nobody did. 
except Nick Carter. This was another strange experience of Nick Carter, master detective, called Murder in the Crypt, or Nick Carter and the Jackal God. Another of the curious adventures of Nick Carter, which are brought to you regularly by WOR Mutual. In the strange adventure you have just heard, Nick Carter was impersonated by John Clark, Patsy by Helen Choke. The story was written for Nick Carter by Walter Gibson. Original music was played by Lou White. The entire production was under the direction of Jock McGregor. This story is a copyrighted feature of Street and Smith Publications, Incorporated. The Return of Nick Carter is produced in the studios of WOR and is broadcast over most of these stations every Monday evening at 9.30 Eastern Wartime. This is Mutual. That was Nick Carter, Master Detective, in Murder in the Crypt, starring Lon Clark from August the 2nd, 1943. In a moment, Murder by Experts. Welcome back to Mystery Theater. I'm your host, Christopher Lee. Now, Larry Haynes stars in It's Luck That Counts on Murder by Experts. Now we present Larry Haynes in It's Luck That Counts. When you're down on your luck, you can't expect things to break right. You see a dime lying on the street, you go to pick it up and get swiped by an auto. Or you snatch a bag from a rich-looking dame and all you find in it is six cents and a lipstick. You know what I mean. So when the bartender in this Pittsville dive told me to scram, I guess I should have listened. To and now look, Crumb, keep your hooks out to free lunch, quit butting the customers. Nobody's gonna buy you a drink. I'm not bothering anybody. Well, just you standing there bothers me. Just because I'm near the freight yards, every bindle stiff in the county thinks I run a club for hobos or something. I told you once, I told you a dozen times to shove off if you... Hey, what's going on? What are the cops coming here for? All right, folks. Stand right where you are. Hey, what is this? Keep your shirt on, Delaney. This is a raid. Commissioner's orders. Hey, you there. Come over here. I didn't do nothing. All right, search him, Parker. What for? What have I done? Never mind. Oh, but I... Hey, you. You in the brown suit. Get over there with the other one. And you there, Red. Go on, get over there. Hey, you. You're a new face. What's your name? Me? Yeah, you. Matthews, Dan Matthews. Where do you live? I'm, uh, I'm just passing through. Get over with the others, Matthews. But I haven't done anything. Kid! Uh, here's the next one, Lieutenant. His name is Dan Matthews. Ah. Uh, all right, Dan. Now here's your chance to come clean. Why did you kill him? Kill him? 
I didn't kill anybody. I swear I didn't. Suppose I told you you were seen near the old lady's shack just about the time she was killed. What old lady? Sarah Grimes. Name's familiar, isn't it? No, I never heard of her. I never was near her. Where'd you hide the money, Danny? What money? The 75 grand you stole from the old lady after you killed her. 75 grand? Yeah. You think if I stole 75 G's, I'd be hanging around Delaney's bar, mooching a drink? I'm asking the questions, Matthews. Now, where were you Tuesday night between 8 o'clock and midnight? Well, if that's when it happened, that lets me out, Lieutenant. I was in Delaney's bar all that time. Ask him if you don't believe me, he'll tell you. Oh. All right, Matthews. If Delaney backs you up, that'll clear you. And you'll let me go? Oh, no, no. No matter what Delaney says, we're holding you for vagrancy. Vagrancy? Yeah. You're a big, good-looking guy, Matthews. Why haven't you got a job? Well, I... This city doesn't like bums, Matthews. Especially bums from out of town. We got enough of our own. Hey, Sergeant, take Matthews back to this cell and bring in the next one. They all gave me the big double O when I got shoved back into the cell, but I just grinned at them and flopped onto a cot. They still had it coming. All of them were guys like me, all except one. He was about 40, big, and he wore a neat pinstripe suit. I could see he was really sweating under the cool front he was putting up. Presently, he came over to me. Hey, fella. Yeah? What are they looking for? Listen, they question you. What are they trying to find? I don't even know why they arrested me. You mean they just picked you up and pulled you in without telling you what for? Yes. I was just opening up my pool parlor when the cops came. Called me up without a word. But what for? Why? You know what they want? Yeah, sure I know. They're looking for a murderer. Murderer? Who was killed? Some old crow named Grimes. Sarah Grimes? Yeah, you know her? Of course I know her. She was a friend of my old lady. Well, she's dead. Head smashed in, blood all over everything. According to the cops, she had 75,000 bucks hidden in that tumble-down shack of hers, maybe more. 75,000? Yeah. Yeah, what have I to do with this? Why, they arrest me. Same reason they arrested me, to ask questions. Tell me, what, uh, what questions do they ask? Well, lots of questions, you know. Do, uh, do they do anything else? What do you mean? They search you? Examine your clothes? They didn't, but I decided to give the guy a ride. Uh, sure. Sure, they go over you from head to foot. Examine your clothes under ultraviolet for blood stains. Look into your cuffs, your shoes, socks, everything. Why? Nothing. Nothing. Listen, fella. Danny's the name, Danny Matthews. Danny, I'm Fred Bruno. You look like a nice guy. A guy I can trust. Sure, everybody can trust Danny. I, uh, I want you to do me a favor. I'll be glad to, only I'm not getting out of here, so I can't call you a lawyer. No, it's it's not that. I, I'm a married man, see? Yeah, I see. But uh, sometimes I go to New York on business, you know. Yeah. I don't like to carry a lot of baggage with me, so I keep a bag in the city. A suitcase. I got my clothes in it. Uh -huh. You know. You know New York? Do I know New York? You know that check room in Times Square in the subway? Yeah, I know. I got the suitcase checked there. I, I got the baggage checked with me. Well, that's no crime. 
Yeah, but you see, it's like this. If they find that baggage check on me, they'll investigate, won't they? Yeah, they'll investigate. That's what I'm afraid of. I've uh, got a girlfriend in the city. My wife finds out about that, there's going to be trouble. So, you see, I don't want them to know. You understand? Yeah, sure, sure. I know just how you feel. Uh, they're not going to search you again? No, no, they're not. Would you? Sure, I'll hold it for you. Just give it here. I'll give you $10 for the favor. That's all I have on me. Thanks. I'll be glad to do it for you. You're a good guy, Danny. You give it to me when I come back. Well, uh, maybe you're not coming back. Maybe they'll let you go. Well, you needn't worry about that. I'll be around to pick it up. Okay. Whenever you want it, you can have it back again. It's fine. Here, here it is. Take care of it. Oh, sure. You haven't a thing to worry about. Well, Fred Bruno didn't come back to the cell, so I knew the police didn't have enough on him to hold him. A couple of hours later, I was hauled into night court and was handed a 30-day stretch for vagrancy. I hadn't been in a week when they told me I had a visitor. Fred Bruno. He didn't waste any time getting down to business. Where is it? Where's what? A baggage check. What baggage check? I don't know what you're talking about. Don't fool around with me, Matthews. I want... I tell you, I don't know what you're talking about. I warn you, Matthews. I want that check. If I don't get it, you're not going to like what happens to you. Maybe I'd better call the screw. You're threatening me. Maybe I'd better tell him you want a baggage check. Suppose they were to find that check, Bruno, and find the suitcase in your girl's picture and that your wife isn't going to like that. All right, Matthews. You're asking for it. And you're going to get it right on the neck. I knew then I had to do some planning. I wasn't letting that check slip through my fingers, not when for the first time in my life my luck was beginning to change. I ain't dumb. I knew it was in that suitcase. It was a 75 G's Bruno got when he knocked off his old lady friend. I knew I had to get that baggage checked to a safe place. I got an envelope and a stamp and addressed it to Dan Andrews, care of General Delivery, New York. Then I got friendly with a stew who was in for 10 days on a D&D charge. I gave him 10 bucks to mail a letter for me when he got outside. I knew it was taking a chance, but what else could I do? Well, when my 30 days were up, I walked down the jailhouse steps expecting to find Fred Bruno waiting for me. He wasn't there. But that didn't mean he wasn't having me tailed. I walked down the street and then turned off toward the main highway out of town. As I hiked along, I kept thumbing cars. The fourth one slowed down and stopped. Would you like a lift? Oh, you bet. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. You going far? Uh, New York. You going that far? Oh, no. No, I'm not. Sorry. But I can take you about 20 miles on your way. Well, every little bit helps. Yes, I guess it does. She smiled at me. She was a luscious blonde with blue eyes that really set you back on your heels. She looked to be about Ooh. 25... And there was class written all over her. I sat next to her, smelling that wonderful perfume and cursing my clothes and the luck that made us meet like this. Um, you're not scared? Picking up a guy like me, I'm not dressed so well. Should I be scared? Oh, no, no. Well, I'm not. 
As a matter of fact, I didn't look at your clothes when I stopped for you. I looked at your face. Looked honest, huh? Not only that. Oh. Say, I, uh, I sure wish you were going to New York. We could have a great time there. Could we? Well, you may think because I'm dressed like a tramp, I am a tramp. Broke, but that's where you're wrong. I've got lots of money waiting for me. Mm -hmm. I'll have it just as soon as I get to the city. Yes, sir, I've got a stake there waiting for me, a big stake. That's nice. Somebody die and leave your fortune? I might say that. <laughs> sure, you might say that. Well, I'm sorry I'm not going to New York. I'm on my way to my country place. I've got a little place near Gloucester. Oh? You, uh, staying there all alone? Most of the time. Isn't it lonely? Well, yes, it, uh, it might be a bit lonely. Yeah, well, uh, look, I don't have to get to New York today. I could get in tomorrow or the day after. Are you angling for an invitation? Well, I just thought if you wanted company... I don't know. I don't know. Well, I guess you could come to lunch, maybe, and stay for a swim. I could. Yeah, that's swell. Yes, I think it is, too. And since we'll be spending the afternoon together, I guess we'd better get to know each other's names. I'm Alice. I'm Danny, Danny Matthews. Glad to know you, Danny. <laughs> You're not half as glad as I am, Alice. It took us about an hour to get to that summer place of hers. It was off all by itself in the woods. Right near it was an old quarry filled with sparkling cold water. I helped to lug a carton of groceries from the car into the kitchen. We stowed them away together and took the covers off the furniture. I could feel it building between us all the time. It's only 11 o'clock. Would you like to go for a swim now? The quarry's fine for swimming. Well, sure, only I don't have a suit. Oh, you can wear my brother's trunks. He's just about your size. I'll show you where you can change. Then I'll meet you in five minutes in front of the house. I was ready in three, and I waited for her on the porch. She came out in a white swimsuit. And when I saw her, I just about lost my breath. She was the dreamiest dame I ever laid eyes on. She smiled, and I just gulped. Come along. We go down this path. Do you swim well? It's very, very deep. Oh, like a fish. Come on, let's get in. Oh, hey, this water's great. My goodness, you are a good swimmer. Oh, I was born near the East River. Can you dive? Oh, sure. Can you touch bottom? Oh, I, I don't know. How deep is it? 30 feet. Oh, wait till I get on the sledge. Now watch me. The water was so clear I could see the bottom coming up at me as I kicked myself down. I grabbed a handful of gravel and started up. <clears throat> Here's a present for you. Thanks, I can't do that. I've tried, but I never can get all the way down. Ah, it's easy. Come on, stand here on this rock and catch your breath. Uh, oh, isn't the water wonderful? You're wonderful. You're nice, too. She turned to face me. I let my arms float around her and closed them. And as she floated up close to me, her lips were soft and cool. And then suddenly the coolness was gone and she was warm and close. 
She looked at me for a long moment with those beautiful eyes, and then she slipped away and swam to the other end of the quarry. I swam after her. We climbed onto the rocks, and she sat down and pulled off a bathing cap. Alice, I... I... Oh, Danny, Alice, Danny. Alice, I know it's crazy just meeting you a couple of hours ago, but I'm nuts about you. You're very nice, Danny. You're so very nice. Now, listen, come to New York with me. I got a pile of dough there just waiting for me to pick it up. I know I'm talking like I'm out of my head, me without a cent in my pocket dressed in rags, and... Well, it's true. But we'll really start living, get married, Alice. You don't, you don't know what you do don't, to me. Don't, don't, We've got to get back to the house now. Alice. No, no, Danny, please, not now. We went back to the house... I followed her inside into the living room. Somebody was standing there with a rod in his hand. Bruno. Don't move, Matthews. Don't move or I'll plug you. Uh, Danny. Danny, this is my husband. Oh, I get it. I get it now. Did you find it, Fred? No, it's not in his clothes. I took them apart. I haven't got it. Well, maybe he... Maybe he hid it in the bedroom. No, I looked everywhere. Talk, Matthews. Where is it? Talk or you'll be wishing you were dead. I haven't a thing to say. Brave, aren't you? Wait. Before I get through with you, you'll talk. Plenty. Save it. Give it to him, Danny. Give it to him and you can go. Nuts to you, gorgeous. Never mind that talk. Upstairs, Matthews. We went upstairs, and Bruno told her to tie me to a chair, and she did a good job, too. I was tied to that chair so tight I could hardly breathe. You go outside, Alice. Leave him to me. Yes, Fred. Danny, I'm sorry. Well, this is your last chance. Are you going to talk? Guys, it's just the beginning. Really did a good job, too. When he was through, I knew I'd been shellacked by an expert, but I didn't talk. I knew I'd be signing my own death warrant by spilling. He wouldn't kill me as long as he thought he could get me to sing. I was alone in the room, still tied to the chair. Downstairs, I could hear the two of them moving around, talking. I had to get my hands free. I pulled and jerked until the blood came. Then I passed out. Must have been hours later when I came to. It was dark and the house was quiet. I tried again to loosen my wrists. And I finally got my right hand free. Free, but almost useless. I rested, flexing my fingers. An hour passed, maybe more. I was picking at the knot that tied my left hand when the door quietly opened. The room was as dark as the inside of a camera, but I knew who it was. I'd know the smell of that perfume anywhere. Danny. Danny, are you awake? Yes, I'm awake. He mustn't hear you whisper. What for? I've got nothing to say. Danny, he's going to kill you. I know it. So what? I don't want you to die. You wouldn't kid me, would you? I'm going to untie you and let you go. Thanks. I mean it. I do mean it. Just tell me where it is, that baggage check. Please, Danny. You're keeping it. Won't do you any good. Believe me. Maybe not. Now, Danny, listen to me. Freddie killed that old woman, and he'll kill you, too. I don't want him to. No? No. Let him have the baggage check, Danny, and then we'll go away, you and I. I hate him. I hate him. He's a beast. You're not getting anywhere, baby. Oh, Danny. You think I want to get the money, don't you? You think I'm lying just to get the money. 
Well, I'll tell you something, Danny. There isn't any money in that suitcase. Where is it, if not in the suitcase? I have it. You have it? Yes, I have. I took it out of the suitcase and, and put something else in. All right. All right, you have the money. Why didn't you take a powder with it? Because I can't get at it, that's why. You have it, but you can't get at it. That makes sense. Now, listen. The night that Freddie killed her, he came here with the money. I didn't know he was going to kill her. You didn't, huh? No. I didn't know a thing about it until he showed me the money. He put it in the suitcase so he could drive down to New York and check it. Well, while he changed his clothes, I took the money out and put something else in. Yeah? What'd you do with the dough? After he left, I put the money in a big mason jar and dropped it in the quarry. The quarry? Yes. I was sure that I'd be able to dive down and get it up again. Well, I tried, but it was too deep for me. That's why I asked you if you could touch bottom, you see? So please, please tell Freddy where the check is. He'll go to get it, and while he's gone, we'll get the money and go away. That's quite a yarn. But it's true, Danny. Please, it's true. All the time she talked, I kept working on my left hand, pulling to free it. And finally, it slipped out of the rope. Oh, Danny, we can go out west. Some place where he'll never find us. Please. Please, you've got to believe me. Danny, I love you, too. If I didn't, I wouldn't tell you all this. I'd keep the money for myself, wouldn't I? How do I know you're not playing me for a sucker? Well, you've got to trust me. Please. Please, tell me where the baggage check is. Cut me free first. You don't trust me, do you? Sure, sure, I trust you. But I haven't got it on me, you know that. Where is it? In New York, in a safe place. Fine. I'll tell Freddie and he'll go for it. When he does pick up that suitcase, there'll be a surprise waiting for him. While he's gone, we'll get the mason jar from the bottom of the quarry and we'll be on our way west in the morning. Does he know you're in here now? Yes. Yes, I... I asked him to let me try talking to you. Danny, he, he thinks that I'm trying to fool you. But you wouldn't do that, would you, honey? Oh, Danny, can't I make you understand? I could feel the numbness leaving fingers on my left hand. Now I had both hands free and she was within my reach, lying a fool head off to get me to give up the 75 grand to give her and Freddie. Where is it, Danny? Come closer, Alice. All right. Kiss me. Just to show me you're leveling with me. She came close. Her lips pressed against mine. And then... <laughs> I had one hand on that soft, lying red mouth of hers and the other on that throat. With all my strength, I held on. Pulling her down on my knees so her feet wouldn't kick the floor. Suddenly she was limp. But I didn't let go. Minutes went by. Finally, I took my hand off her mouth. She wasn't breathing anymore. She was dead. Slowly, I let her body down on the floor. Then I untied the knots that held me to the chair. I reached for her, and carefully, with stiff fingers, I took off a jacket. The perfume she drenched it with came off in waves. Then I got up, holding the jacket ahead of me like a bullfighter's cape. I walked down the pitch-black hall. Alice? Shh. Tell you? I stopped. He'd been waiting there all the time. The perfume on that jacket fooled him the way I thought it would. I was just a couple of feet from him. The next time he spoke, I'd jump. Well, did he talk? No, Freddie, I didn't. <laughs> My first wild punch in the dark put him out. 
After that, he wasn't any more trouble than she was. There was a lot for me to do before daybreak. First, I got rid of both the bodies, tying weights to them and sinking them to the bottom of the quarry. Freddy had a fat wallet. I helped myself to that. Next, I changed into one of his suits that was in the house. I closed the place, locked it, and got into the car as the first streaks of light began to show in the east. By afternoon, I'd be in New York. When I reached New York, I got a shave and a haircut and had some lunch. Then I went down to the main post office. The letter was there. And in ten minutes, I was at the Times Square subway station with a baggage check in my hand. Here you are. One suitcase. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, B-131. Oh, what are you waiting for? B-131. This was checked over 30 days ago. Oh, what of it? I'll pay the charges. We don't keep baggage up here. After 30 days, your suitcase is down in storage room B. Uh, this way, please. Yeah, sure, just lead the way. We took the stairs down to one of the cellars, walked along some dark halls, and then stopped in front of a locked door. It's in uh, one of the bins down this way. Uh, here we are. B-131. This it? That yeah, looks like it. Okay, take it. All right. Oh, uh, here, bud. This is for your trouble. Uh, no, no thanks. Come on, buy yourself a drink. No, I don't want it. All right, suit yourself. Let's go. As we walked back to the door, I wondered why the guy should refuse a tip. When we got to the door, I found out. He opened it and I walked out, right into the arms of a big guy in a bronze suit. He grabbed my wrists and before I knew what was happening, he had a pair of bracelets. All on. right, Matthews, you're under arrest. Arrest? What for? For the murder of Sarah Grimes in Pittsville, Massachusetts. I didn't kill that old Save lady. Save it, brother. You can do all your talking down at headquarters. For all the talking I did down at headquarters, there were a lot of things I couldn't explain away. Like, for instance, the bank books belonging to Sarah Grimes they found in the suitcase. My having the baggage check for the suitcase. One thing the cops didn't know, and that was what happened to the 75 grand which should have been in the suitcase and wasn't. Yeah, there wasn't a dime in that suitcase. The cops told me that two days after old lady Grimes was knocked off, they got an anonymous letter telling them to look into the suitcase checked in Times Square under number B-131. The note said the man who'd call for that suitcase was the murderer of Sarah Grimes. So, now they're hanging me in half an hour. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting the surprise that was meant for Fred Bruno. And when I think it all over, two things stand out. Down in that quarry, there's a mason jar with $75,000 in it. And down there, too, is a gorgeous blue-eyed dame with a rock tied around her neck. See what I mean by the brakes going against you? I could have had them both. Yep. I could have had them both. And so the curtain falls on It's Luck That Counts, 
All characters in our story were fictitious, and any resemblance to the names of actual persons was purely coincidental. This is Jack Farron speaking. This is Murder by Experts with It's Luck That Counts from August the 29th, 1949. In a moment, I'll tell you what's coming up on the next Mystery Theater. Be sure to tune in next time on Mystery Theater when we'll hear Night Beat, Lights Out, and Casey, Crime Photographer. This is your host, Christopher Lee, saying thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Mystery Theater with your host, Christopher Lee. The producers of Mystery Theater wish to thank this station and Radio Spirits for helping make this series possible. This copyrighted radio series is written by Dennis Etchison, Jim McCants speaking. Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, the podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. I bring you two episodes a week. Every Monday, I cover something from a wide variety of topics, covering everything from feminist faves throughout history like Audre Lorde, listener coming out stories, and other hot-button topics like toxic masculinity and the Me Too movement as well as plenty feminist history, the good and the controversial. And then every Friday, I bring you a mini What's in the News episode to keep you up to date with everything that's going on today in the world. And with over 580 episodes available to you right now, there's plenty of good stuff to listen to. You can listen to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rage on. Bye.